0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck What the fuck tuckians? What the fuck is happening? What is happening? I'm Mark Marin and this is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to it. How's your Monday? Are you okay? I'm re- I'm recording this a couple days early for a couple of various reasons, but I'm happy to be here. We have a uh, we have a great show today. Um Kareem Abdul Jabbar is here a little later in the show to talk about everything but basketball. Uh Dr. Phil Stutz, going to talk to him a little bit. He's got a uh, he's got a new book out. He was on uh, episode 454 back in 2013 after Hank Azaria recommended him actually. And uh you know people told us how helpful that episode was for them. His new book is uh called Coming Alive. He wrote it with Barry Michaels again comes out August 22nd, he'll be here in just a little while. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, America? Are we going to keep it together? There is a need for relief in a relentlessly depressing and frightening cultural environment and political environment. I mean, whatever, what happened over the weekend in Charlottesville is, is disconcerting. Just, uh, the, 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 you saw a lot of representatives of the army of unfuckable hate nerds and, uh, uh, militia types in varying degrees of armor and outfits. Some, uh, oddly more ridiculous than I think they intended. And there were some just flat out old school racists out there. And the counter protests were powerful and courageous and, uh, trying to hold the line maintain the balance make people understand there are people out there fighting this racism and intolerance and violence and uh, I think the the difficult thing for most people now you granted that again this is a minority of people is that you know we have a, a a leader a president that refuses to uh to really put his foot down in a definitive way when it comes to this type of behavior whether it be, blowing up mosques or a kkk uh nazi rally uh, he'll uh, i don't think he's mentioned anything about the uh, american terrorist attack on the mosques but you know uh, let's just make clear that you know nazis in the Klan are not not good that'd be nice to hear from the president but he will not do it in those definitive terms unlike many uh, members of congress many senators past presidents because the bottom line is uh he doesn't want to come right out and say that uh, nazis are bad because he doesn't want to alienate his base that's i mean that's where we're at as a country the president does not want to condemn nazis or the kkk because he just doesn't want to alienate his base it's a scary business, and there's a lot of uh, things that are untethered and chaotic and, uh, you know, frightening about leadership at this point in time. And sadly, but also uh, in, in a good way, you you will be called upon as an American to stand up for this at some point. It's easy to. Here I am in, in California, and there's part of me that's sort of like, well, it's not down the street from me. It's not in this state. It doesn't directly involve me, but it directly involves all of us. We are Americans, and it really is going to come down to uh, what America uh, do you want to live in and what can you rationalize? The rationalizing question is a big question because, you know, most people in in America are like, well, you know, look, I'm okay. It doesn't affect me that much. Believe me. I'll do a little Trumpism there. Believe me. All of this affects all of us. We are all Americans. We have different ideas. We have different opinions. And we have different beliefs about democracy. And those will and are being called into question and are worth fighting for. So it's on all of us to do something. You know, you might have to do more than you're comfortable with. I'm always uh, grateful that people are out there uh, fighting you know, the, the counter protesters and people in the government and people speaking out. We're going to have to do that. Continue doing it. There's no uh, you can't really put your blinders on. I, I, I can't even the, the amount that I do it now. The just Even the small amount that I try to detach uh, is causing me chest pains and headaches and queasiness. dark times, scary times, but uh there there the fabric of America is still woven, it's not completely unraveled. And look, you know, I you know, I have no doubt that uh you know, if it is happening and if it does happen that Americans will sort of like slowly evolve into uh, accepting authoritarianism because they feel like they have no choice. And you know, the one benefit of that is that look when America will be the best authoritarian state on this planet, because when Americans put their minds to it, they can do anything. So America will, will, will certainly be just a barometer of excellence and authoritarianism. If enough people don't think what is happening in this country now involves them or affects them. You don't want to get down the line where you're like, Yeah, I mean, my life's not that much different. I mean, look, I you know, I didn't. There weren't that many Mexicans here, or uh, before they were all you know told to leave. But it didn't really affect my life that much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess you know, a lot of black people are. You know, there's not a lot in my neighborhood, so I don't, I don't really know what's going on with them. Yeah, the you know, before the Muslims were all kicked out of the country I didn't really know any you know so like so really you know it's just like I still just go you know I go get coffee and, and I go over to where I work and I, I don't know it's just not that much different that's what the sound of an authoritarian America is yeah I guess some people got hurt down there but you know I don't know I you know it didn't it? it looked bad but I think those people that were protesting were you know, I mean, they seemed really out of line and angry. I mean, isn't there another way to handle it? I mean, it, they looked, you know, they just, it was terrible. But, like, I don't know why they were causing trouble. I love this country. And, um, yeah, I'm just, i am its it's just sad that so many people are so angry. They should just relax. That's what authoritarian America sounds like. Or like, no, I don't really, you know, I don't vote and I don't, I don't really pay attention to the news and like, you know, politics is so boring. It's so boring. That's what authoritarian America, that's how it happens. So, oh, let me tell you, I had another weird dream. This one was really Wild. I was on some. All I remember is I was on like some sort of bungee cord, but it wasn't hanging from something. It was sort of throwing me back and forth. Do you, you know what I mean? Like it was like it was anchored somewhere, and I was bouncing from one. You know, one thing. I'd go up, and then I'd go down, and then I'd go over. And every time I would, it would sort of the rubber band or the bungee would go all the way to the end where I'd have that moment where you stop before you snap back. It would, my surroundings would be in black and white and it would be sort of, you know, elements of my past. And then it'd go to another area where it'd be, I'd just be bouncing into these sort of weird black and white vignettes of my, of my past. And it it just kept going like that. And for some reason, um, John Hamm was running the controls of the of the uh, back in time bungee ride in black and white. That was a, a John Hamm operated carnival concession. What do you make of that, dream analysts? I got some pretty good analysis from my last one. I didn't read that. Maybe I'll read it on uh, maybe on Thursday. So Dr. Phil Stutz, it's always nice to see him. Uh, his new book is called "Coming Alive." He wrote it with Barry Michaels. It comes out August twenty second. It approaches self-help in a way that maybe will have a little more staying power, and and we talk about you know those those type of books in general and the effect that they do have. But uh, but he's a bright guy, and it's always good to talk to him. We generally have good conversations, and he makes me feel smart sometimes. Every, both times he's been here. So this is me talking to uh, to Phil Stutz. You usually wake up earlier. Or later.
1: I, you know, I'm 70 years old, so I, I wake up at like six, but I can't, I can't stay up.
0: Why, why do we uh, wake up earlier as we get older? I, it seems like uh, my my theory is that uh, we innately know we're running out of time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. That's excellent. I think that's
0: right. <laughs> you think that's right. <laughs> Oh God! I, everybody, you know, from our last conversation, the longer one, that the tools uh, has helped a lot of people. The book, the tools, and I hear a what? lot about it. Did you hear a lot about it?
1: Uh, I. It's funny. I hear more about it now than I than I did when the book came out.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. It sort of picked up.
1: It's it picked up. Yeah. You, you know why the 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 audience for this stuff? Most of the time, they're not going to buy the book unless they're in trouble. So, oh, right. You know you. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's
0: a, it's so a life preserver, life preserver. You
1: know, times on our side.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right, right. People are eventually going to get into a problem.
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. You know, it's like healthcare. Eventually, it's going to hit you. Um, and then, you know, there's a financial aspect. So uh-huh. if if we can, you know, a book that you buy for twenty bucks or whatever it is, if that can help you, that's fantastic.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But if people, if people love the book, and then I get this new book. From you two same guys right Phil Stutz you Barry Michaels the other guy yeah the other guy that you write with and we talked about him but uh, th- this is uh called coming alive four tools to defeat your inner enemy ignite creative expression and unleash your soul's potential yeah that's a that's I think a, we're
1: overstating
0: it <laughs> <or>? <laughs> <laughs> <I tell> you, <laughs> you, you gotta sell you on know, the covers to cover you know what I mean if you if you can deliver on all that then uh, great Oh, wait, we have to deliver on it, too? No, yeah, you can't you can just put that on the cover, and then that's it. Uh, all right. I'm well, wait, Well, look, I got problems.
1: Yeah, it's not obvious, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe we can help apply some of this stuff. Because I know, like, these books for me, you know, I read them, you know, I get a little bit out of them, and then, like, I don't finish them, and then I get. I feel like I get a, you know, I read a, a halfway through it, and I've got enough. I think I, you know what I mean? How much of this do I need? I get the idea. And I move on.
1: Yeah, and you have your own TV show now, right? I do. So what else could you possibly need?
0: Well, you know, it's funny that you say that, Doc, because, uh, you, you know, I, what I, I learned is that years ago, I always thought like, well, if money doesn't make you happy, I'd like to figure that. I'd like to find that out firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, now that I've earned I earn a pretty good living, yeah. it's, it's definitely changed some fears, yeah. you know, and some insecurities. That it put put those to rest, but the fundamental stuff, it doesn't change that much.
1: No, in fact, that's actually the premise of what we do, in other words, and I, we have some credibility because we treat all these people that are very successful, as yeah. stars or whatever, and there's what we call a realm of illusion, which is somebody tells himself, if I only get this, my own show, if I only get that, yeah. a certain female he wants to marry, whatever right. it is, that then life will become easy. Yeah. And what ha- Obviously, that never happens. Never. No, never? No. In all
0: your experience, no one ever came in and said, hey, you know what? I'm done. I got what I wanted. Thank
1: you. No, no one's ever said that. <laughs> if they do, I, if it was true, I would try to talk them out of it. It's bad cash flow for us. So we don't really want it anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, that, that's why a lot of guys will become famous they'll blow up suddenly and then they get into drugs and alcohol sometimes they even kill themselves it's like i did my share i did what i was supposed to do which is become famous become you know very successful and life still has the same problems what the fuck you know i'm being
0: sometimes more problems
1: yeah sometimes or certainly problems you didn't have before
0: yeah like you know what to do with all that money and then how to manage all the shit you bought with it
1: yeah that, yeah that's uh that's really overwhelming so
0: how is this different than the other
1: book well okay here's the difference the other book which basically was four very common or the four most common problems people yeah. have we addressed them kind of one by one but w- what we didn't have in the first book is a cohesiveness uh-huh. so there was nothing that tied the thing together and people would ask us what you know why those tools um is there more to this and the main thing people would say is I like the book I like what you said in it but my effort fizzled out
0: fizzled out yeah like they you know, like they applied the tools and then after a year they just uh, they, they couldn't do it anymore
1: yeah and a year would be a long time a lot of times you know they'll do it for three months two months they get excited you know and I'm an enthusiast my partner's an enthusiast yeah. so sometimes you get Freud called this a flight into health did you yeah. ever hear that
0: Sure I I do it all the time. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to after this interview I'm going to go work out. I'm in one of my flights into health right now.
1: Okay. Is that what it is? Well, what it, a flight into health doesn't last. That's why he yeah. called it a flight sure. into health. He sure. made, he made certain other mistakes. We'll talk about later. <laughs> Freud did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's but, fallen a bit out of favor, but <laughs> he did have some good ideas. He was a solid thinker.
1: Yes, he yeah, he has he was had some brilliant ideas in fact which connects to what we're talking about the See, it seems like well, these tools work, but I stop using them. I'm lazy, whatever. Yeah. Which is some, there's some truth in that. But what we dis- what I discovered uh, when I started this is as a counter force, mm-hmm. and I call the counter force Part X. Yeah. Now I just call it Part X because the thing
0: that stops you from following through yes, or sticking with it. That's correct. Yeah.
1: So when I was a young shrink, I was, um, I w- needless to say, I was somewhat rebellious and defiant. Mm-hmm. So, but I was also very enthusiastic. So I got, so I was starting up my practice. I was maybe 30 years old. And I was helping a lot of people. A lot of times their symptoms would go away temporarily. Right. But after three months, six months, whatever, it would all come crashing back on them. Not only would it come back, it was worse than when they started. Yeah. And there was another problem, which is, they lost faith in the whole process.
0: Sure, not only did it not work, but, uh, uh, you know, clearly uh, it's, it's, it's it's that thing's fault.
1: It's that, yes. Yeah. So it's your secret enemy working behind the scenes, so to speak.
0: Sh- sure, always, uh, yeah, it's like they say in the recovery racket, that uh, when you're not drinking, you're, uh, your disease is doing push-ups. <laughs> that, yeah, I heard that one. But yeah, I mean, there is, uh, the, the issue of self-sabotage and, and sort of like, you know, i I mean mike you know i guess a a broader question is is that you know you talk to a lot of people these are practical things that people can do with a with a context but but some of this stuff is is pretty deeply wired right but you believe that you know through a, a certain amount of discipline that maybe you can reroute neural pathways or change your behavior for good but it's a it's a battle it's a struggle
1: yeah it has to be a struggle you know Lately, what I read is not so much psychiatric books. I like to read books by ex-military guys yeah. and people that are training professional athletes at yeah. a high level, and th- their whole thing is uh, what do they call it? Um, um, re- something brain mm-hmm. brain retraining, yeah. kind of, uh, sure. more or less. Yeah, and the the one I'm most interested in was St- Stephen Curry. You know who he is. Mm-hmm. Right? Stephen Curry is um, like a mediocre athlete who's the best player in the NBA. Okay. He's unbelievable. He's the best shooter ever in the history of basketball. Mediocre
0: athlete, though, is the key, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, f- for us, he would look like a god, obviously. Right, right. But in the NBA, he's mediocre. So I got into I said, how did this guy get so good? And I I, I looked, I, I, what do you call it, Googled it. Yeah. And there was a clip that came out of YouTube with, with his training program. And here's, here's what he would do. There would be a big board, a big wooden board, and it yeah. would have like six or seven lights on the board, and each light corresponded to a specific move. Like, like a purple light would go on. Here, he'd fake to the right, right, cross over, and then and then another light would go on. He'd take, he'd back up a few steps, take whatever. It doesn't matter what it was, but the the, the change in colors from one of these lights to another yeah. was faster than you could think. Right. So to follow the lights, you had to give up complete thinking. And but you knew what
0: was uh, connected to the light. You knew the move that you had to do.
1: Yeah, well, at the begin- yeah. beginning, you might not even know, you might even forget what the move was. Right,
0: but eventually it becomes habit. It becomes habit. Re- r- reflex.
1: Yes, and training training a reflex faster than you can think right. is the secret of what we do. And if you if you do that religiously, it takes a long time. You can change these basic patterns. I, I,
0: I believe that's true, but I mean, you know, that what about all that time in between reflexive action? What about like, oh, okay, so you do the things you choose, you know, you you get the pattern in place, but one day you're just going to be sitting there, you know, with a piece of cake, going like, "Fuck, this is terrible."
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> what, Depends what? on the cake, I yeah, guess, <laughs>
0: <laughs> What happens in that moment,
1: though? I, I mean, that's the trickiest moment. Okay, good. Excellent point. You should do this for a living. I try, I try. Here's the thing. There are a million tiny moments throughout the day mm. when this part X is attacking you and you don't even know it.
0: The, oh, yeah, the bad guy inside.
1: Yeah, and and the idea is... The um the biggest changes in life, the strongest forces come in through the smallest things. Yeah. So we try, you know, like you know about John Wooden at all? John Wooden, the coach? Yeah, the coach. Yeah, I kind of know him. So anyway, he was a freak on that. There was like a certain way to tie your shoelaces. Yeah. Even a certain way to put your socks on, and it wasn't that any specific instructions he was giving them was so brilliant. It was the idea that you there was a right way to do things even the smallest things
0: and also it's ritualizing yes, it. Yeah. It
1: ritualized yes it. so anyway the the tools um are designed to go into the very small things right they, they can also deal with the with the big things but if you uh, want to go ahead
0: I, no i see what you're saying so so you know in between you know when when you're most vulnerable to factor x is that what you called it i call it part X. part x you know coming at you from the inside you know, you have a few things, you little things you can do to either distract him or you,
1: yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> from ruining your life. That's correct. So uh, now let's break it down here because, like, I like systems. Now, here's here, maybe we can apply it to what I need to do. Does this help with uh, uh, media problems?
1: Yeah, I guess to the extent. I mean, I'm a walking example of it.
0: Yeah. Well, you you have uh, you have an illness that you yes. find every day.
1: Yes, every day.
0: And you seem like you. I haven't seen you in a couple of years. You seem great.
1: Yeah, praise the Lord. I'm. I haven't. I have Parkinson's, and it hasn't deteriorated at all. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And shout out to uh, Josh. Um, to Jeff Bronstein, my uh, neurologist. Yeah, fantastic. He's yeah. doing a
0: good job. Yeah,
1: great job. Yeah, it's you know it's an art to medicating somebody.
0: Oh sure it is. Yeah, you know um, uh, yeah unfortunately the canvas is you and <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you got to repaint a little bit. You know yeah. you try stuff out. Uh, but you on a good uh, combination.
1: I'm on a good combination. My whole thing is energy. Um, one of the things we deal with in here is. People think they have a basic energy level and it can't be changed. Hmm. So when they tire out, they feel, well, that's it. You know, go to sleep. Right. Watch TV. Yeah. You know, smoke a joint, whatever it is. But our, the conceit of that part of the book is you can increase your energy level. It's possible to increase it. When I was a baby shrink, you know, just learning. Yeah. Nobody ever mentioned energy as a factor in treating patients, or yeah. how they end up, but what I was seeing was the people with the highest energy, for the most part, were the most successful. Yeah, and for the most part, they they were the the ones with the highest energy were the hardest ones to stop, even right. if it was a failure, etc. Right. Right. So, it's and because I don't have much energy because of the illness, yeah. I, I become very curious about it.
0: Now, what did you learn about that? Well, I mean, I imagine when you were a baby shrink, yet yeah, no one was reading uh, Wilhelm Reich. Orgone energy, come on, get <laughs> in the box, fuel up. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, how do you know about that? What do you mean? I'm a broad-minded guy.
1: You know, there was a comic that was very into that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, back in the day?
1: Yeah, in New York. I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> oh, did, did he <laughs> have a box? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he did. Yeah, he had it all going back. Good for him. Yeah, now, you know, if you get one, you just put your head in it now. Yeah, that's all. <laughs>
0: you don't need to get all in. I'm impressed
1: yeah. that you knew about that. Huh? Yeah,
0: I'm sort of fascinated with that guy. So what did you learn about energy if that is that where you started? Is that when when you were thinking about this book with energy?
1: Uh, well, the book we we took four major things that we felt um weakened the life force of uh-huh. somebody. And and these are things, in general, people don't think they can change or they can work with. So one was exhaustion, which is what we're talking yeah. about. One was addictions and impulsive yeah. behaviors. Um, one was hurt feelings and, and feeling like you're a victim. Yeah. And um, one was de- um, demoralization, despondency, quitting.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Okay, and yeah.
1: we, we felt... In, those are areas where Part X tries to fuck you up. It tries to enter your life.
0: That's the strategy of Part X. That's its. That's strat- how they get in.
1: It get yeah. So these are like the four ways. Right. That, that, Got that it. You get in.
0: That's that. Those are pretty good. That seems solid. Yeah. So then that that, that, that so all of a sudden now you have a framework through which uh, people can identify how uh, Part X is getting them.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you know, here's the secret of that. Part X doesn't want you to know it exists, and it particularly doesn't want you to know that it's acting on you right, right now.
0: Yeah, but what, when you, sometimes when you realize it is, it wants you to believe that that's your true self.
1: Exactly. <laughs> You're smart, man. That's exactly 100% right. Right. So, Part X is an imposter. Right. It tries to push you out and take over, and it, it does it so many times. There's a familiarity to it. Yeah and the familiarity is kind of persuasive even though if you look back it's nuts but
0: right because it it, it, sometimes it represents you you because the satisfaction that can come when part x is being satisfied uh feels like strength but it isn't
1: that's correct right that's correct (laughs) I'm I'm very impressed so far. <laughs> Me do you too. have Do you have a strong part? Oh you, yeah, you, yeah, you don't yeah. Have to yeah. I have that.
0: A, a very living uh, and breathing relationship with with. But I've had some success with it. You know, you know, you you know, it's a, it what, it, whew, the mixture between accepting it, compartmentalizing, and and you, you know, and and trying to uh, to stay in those things that you're saying right, the, like the, the the list that you had you know, yeah. outside of addiction, but. But, uh, you know, insisting that you're a failure or, or you're feeling embarrassed or immoralized, yeah, demoralized is that, Th- those are those are natural human experiences, yes. Yes. right? Yes. So, you, you know, instead of fighting against them, you have to process them.
1: Yes, you have to, yes, that's exactly right. You have to process them. All right, them.
0: so once you identify these four things, what happens in the book?
1: Well, the first part of the book is when you, uh, let's say these are four expressions of part X. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is learn to identify it, not uh, when you're reading a book, you know, not when you're talking to your friends, right. but right in the moment. Right. Okay. Oh, then, that's
0: right. So, you you know, once you identify the one that's in you, how's it popping up in your life every second? Yes. Right.
1: And that's specific to each person. Mm-hmm. Um, so.
0: Oh, that's a good day. That's a good moment when you realize that.
1: Yeah, it's a, yeah. But it, it gives the person power. See, the other thing that happens when you realize that is, you're like pushing part X away from you. Mm. So at that point, you get you for some people the first inkling of freedom that they've ever had in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Because they they see the uh, enemy out there. Did you ever see, read Pogo? Did you ever read that?
0: Pogo, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, maybe when I was a kid.
1: Well, there's a famous thing Pogo said: "We have met the enemy, and he is us, and he is us." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's pretty prescient. Uh, Idea. Anyway, so and we tell people even if you don't know what to do about it, if you can identify it and label label it right in the moment, yeah, you're ready on your um, way to gaining some sort of freedom.
0: Well, yeah, but then what? Well, how do you address uh, you know negotiating with Part X? Like uh-huh. you know what I mean? It's sort of like look, here's where I'm at. Yeah, you know, me. Like yeah, you know, I'm I'm addicted to these nicotine lozenges, and I have been for years. And yeah. you know now because you know I don't take any other medication, and the world seems to be, uh, uh, you know, crumbling. My anxiety is extremely high. My dread is high. My fear of death is high. My fear of catastrophic death is high. So now I'm ingesting probably more nicotine than I ever have, and I'm drinking a lot of coffee, and I'm fucking nauseous all the time. So now I, I know that I should get off of the things, and I know that you know I've done I've gotten off everything else, but this part X with this negotiation where it's sort of like, well, what am I going to do without those?
1: Right, right. I th- I don't think I can help you. It's t-
0: Wow. <laughs> Jeez. We, no, no, just, that, was
1: a, that was a joke.
0: You're supposed to tell me, get the book. It's all in the book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what the book has, besides the four tools and yeah. the four expressions of Part X, is it has, a, it has a philosophy that says the following, this probably will only work for a while it'll only work temporarily it'll only work halfway but if you keep advancing and doing what we what we want uh, what we're asking you to do particularly in those blacker moments we call them holes Mm -hmm. in the hole you will find that your overall view of who you are and of the world will change it's just it just takes a tremendous amount of work here's the situation incremental yeah part x will never stop attacking you never if Mm. you live till 102 it's still going to attack you But there's something good... And if your
0: parents are alive, then it has support.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to touch that one with a 1,000-foot pole, but it's an interesting idea. So, okay, what was I saying? You were saying that... uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. So the fact that it won't stop attacking you, the good news is if you're willing to work consistently against it using the tools... Mm Not only can you overcome some of these symptoms, but you actually your self-identification changes, and a lot of times you'll you'll discover um, abilities that you didn't know you had. Sure. From the so it's not just getting rid of the symptoms; it's there's an expansion. Now, here's what Part X wants. It wor- it works on the principle of impossibility, and what that means is it gives you a symptom. Let's say you're afraid of flying, whatever. Mm. It makes sure you can't get over the symptom, right? So yeah. there's some crippling thing yeah. going on, and it makes it wants to defeat you so badly that you feel this is impossible to change. It may be a little bit what you have. Yeah, with yeah. That.
0: What is it you use? Nicotine lozenge.
1: Oh well, yeah.
0: all right. It's an addiction. Um. But yeah, no. But you're right. But you, you know, it it will manipulate you and charm you into thinking that uh, you know, like it's got the better way.
1: Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's either seducing you or threatening right. you or both at the same time. Right. So, but anyway, that sense of impossibility, I can't change, spreads out all over the place. Yeah. And eventually, you can't change anything. Right. And that's its real goal.
0: Paralyze you.
1: Yeah. In other words, if you want to look at it on a spiritual basis, you, you know, you, you know about twelve step pretty really yeah. well. Um, the there's an evolution that um, human beings can only in other words, we're all capable of much more than we do, yeah when we when we fight off these uh, X attacks is what yeah. we call them, we start to get the sense of possibility, we start to get the sense of hey you have you have more potential than you think you have, mm-hmm. and that's where the battle is Part X wants you to say wants you to think bullshit. I'm lucky I'm even where I am
0: well part of that has to be you have to acknowledge and uh, you know maybe slightly celebrate your little victories over this thing
1: yes hundred percent
0: yeah because a lot of times they happen incrementally and they're small things that you know you sh- that it's easy if you have a strong part X to dismiss any success. Yes. Because that's part of the over, that's an over, that's a long, uh, a, 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 what do you call it? The, the long game tactic of part X is to diminish anything you've ever accomplished.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did you study this book before? No. You're doing the... good. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So all of those are un- going to the heading of impossibility and crippling the person. Yeah. So it, there's, a, there's a fight. It's, it's like a war. You know, I was, um, because you're a shrink, you're sitting in a in an office all mm-hmm. day, you know. People think it's a very sedentary, kind of passive existence yes. type thing. Um, but for me, it's never been like that at all. For me, it's been a war. And once I identified this X thing working, I, I Within felt-
0: Within you or your patients?
1: At first, it was my patients. I yeah. didn't identify in me until sure. much later. Right. Because I thought I was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, I said, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm the one who invented these things, and I'm not taking advantage of them. Am I stupid? <laughs> then, then I started to work harder. Yeah, the best person I've ever seen. Though, on the one using the tools is my po- tools is my partner, who's un- he's unbelievably disciplined. Yeah, and look, he's probably sixty. I don't know what he is, but you, I can see the change over a twenty-year period in him.
0: The, these are spiritual ideas, really.
1: Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. The the point. Look, we. Both of us agreed whether we're right or wrong, yeah, with this idea that there's, a, there's what we call the gap, yeah, which means you can uh, you can go to a shrink, you can work hard, you can understand where your problems sure, come. intellectually, yeah, you have all that, which yeah. is good, but there's they have no way to close the gap through action. And there's now what do we do uh, because I haven't found that understanding per se will change somebody sometimes it does but mostly it's not enough
0: no it it, sometimes it enforces their ability to bullshit yes then you can just all of a sudden you become your own therapist Or you sit i'm sure you must sit there with clients all the time where they're like oh right i get it and then next week they come in it's like i did the thing again right you know but i understand it
1: a (laughs) hundred percent and then they keep doing it yeah the the good thing about me is that pisses me off right (laughs) yeah so i'm not just gonna (laughs) accept that
0: you know, I think that the hardest thing for people who have these things is is that, you know, once you once you start to see the patterns of these things hurting your life, which is I think what this book will help you do, is that, you know, you start to realize a couple of things like, well, am I going to let it keep happening and life isn't that long. And like there's no sort of overarching thing here in the book that's going to say this is going to make you a new person. But for for fuck's sake, you know, you got to get a little relief from these patterns so you can get something out of life.
1: Yes. Yes. And one of the greatest feelings for somebody is being able to do something they thought was impossible, even if it's a small thing. Yeah. It changes everything.
0: No, it does. It's like like for me, well, there's a lot of examples. Like, you know... it, one of the things is you got to be careful with those moments is, is not to beat yourself up for not doing it sooner.
1: Yes, that's <laughs> correct. And that happens all the time. Because that's,
0: but that's a primary tool of the part X. Yeah, it is. Is that true. like, you know, you, you finally do it and it goes, you fucking asshole, huh? At 50, you do it. Yeah. You, you got nothing.
1: You are excellent at portraying Part X. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I
0: gave you awesome. uh, Part X for the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: I'm going to remember that. Yeah, that, that's that's correct, 100%. So what can
0: people like, you, you know, I, I think what you're trying to you know connect with in the book through through these tools is that life is hard. You know, life is, there is suffering, but, you know, uh, and, and, you know, there are challenges always, obviously, like, you know, you have health challenges, other people do, people have, uh, there's no end to it. Yes. But, but, and there's no way you can avoid it. Correct. And, and uh, there's some part that of you that has to embrace these challenges and this suffering, you know, in order to accept it so you can, you know, have a proactive life.
1: Yeah. Look, everybody says all the shrinks that write these books say life has to have meaning, and you have to look for it, and you have to find the meaning, um, which is true. But for me to really feel life is meaningful, I have to have I have to close that gap. In other words, I have to use a tool in adversity counteract the adversity or, or even better turn the adversity into more strength i have to feel that if you feel that you get a sense of meaning and not only that the worst things that happen then can give you the most sense of meaning yeah if you fight back against them
0: well yeah, yeah you did a noble thing and i'm glad you got the new book out and and you, Thank sn- you. and i'm happy to see you i'm glad you're doing okay
1: yeah thanks for having me and uh and probably a, in a appropriate time i'll come back and check on you again
0: Maybe I'll just come to your office.
1: Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Doc. Just show up. Thank you.
0: That was me and uh, Dr. Phil Stutz, his new book coming alive that he wrote with Barry Michaels, out August 22nd. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, here's the thing about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and many of you know this about me, is that I'm not a big sports fan. I'm a pretty physical guy, but I'm not a big sports fan, and I don't know a lot about sports. But I did know, of course, that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived, and I felt a little ill-prepared to talk to him. You know, heading into it, but they they wanted him to come on the show. He wanted to come on the show. So uh, I was like, yeah, I'll talk to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And fortunately for me, did not want to talk about basketball, really. So that worked out. This is me and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. His, uh, his book, Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship, on and off the court, is now available. Uh, the graphic novel of his detective novel, Mycroft Holmes, comes out next month, September 19th. You can pre-order it now. Uh, So this is me engaging in conversation with the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it's been like I had a a bad morning, and maybe you can relate to it. I I just found out that the cartridge on my uh, record player is broken. Oh, no. And someone just gave me a Wayne Shorter record that I'd never heard before. Which one? Uh, I, I I don't know. It was just sitting in there, you know, because I'm I'm a Lee Morgan freak right now. Yeah, I'm just getting into Lee Morgan, so it's one with Lee Morgan on there playing with Wayne, but not with the Jazz Messengers. Okay, and uh, I went to play it, and it, I, I guess the the woman that cleans my house said, psh, "Oh not, no, I, it's
2: just it, now you got to go down." Um, yeah, now do you have do you have uh, do you still play records? No, no more. No, I, I went CD because I I didn't like the um, I didn't like the fidelity. Of the records, of the records, the CD was clean and yeah. Play a record; it sounds like somebody's frying an egg in the background. You know, yeah. I but you got to get them. clean records, get new ones. I know, but it, it, they they don't stay new.
0: Right, you yeah. don't buy into the idea that uh, the 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 sound of analog
2: is richer and softer. And it, it might be. You, yeah, you, you might have a point there. Yeah, but, um, I, I like uh, the the CD sound because you know you can get it up loud and you can hear it in yeah. Depth. You know, yeah, it's all right there. And I, that that's important. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a
0: little more nuance to the uh, the records. I, I mean, maybe I'm just part of a fad. I don't know.
2: Well, it it, it and it was fun. You know? Sure. I, it it just it. Somebody explained this to me, and it really bothered me that yeah. that my kids never had records. Right. That they don't know what an LP is. Right. Yeah. You know, just so much that of the technology that we had when i was a kid it's just it's totally irrelevant and (laughs)
0: and gone (laughs) it's gone and it it, it was something there was something you know tactile there was something about your connections with even books yeah you know like i got your book right here you can hold the book and i guess they you know they still sell books but most people they'll listen to books they'll read them on the kindle but i still like to hold the book
2: yeah it's something about the the relationship with it and you
0: you grew up with records you wasn't your dad a musician
2: yeah and uh, you know i i so much of uh, what I learned about jazz, I, I read on the album covers. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? Nat Hentoff, writing about all those dudes. Yeah.
0: like And the Village Voice, he used to do some of those liner notes.
2: Uh, yeah, for, for the Village Voice, but you know, on, on all the Blue Note yeah. albums, they had extensive notes and stuff. Yeah. And there was a real good DJ in, in New York. Um, his name was Ed Beach. Yeah. He always really did a lot of research on every record he played you know it could tell you all you know the, the sequence of the solos yeah and, yeah you know what it was all about did
0: you are, do you got a handle on that stuff i mean do you like because like i'm just now getting like i always sort of listen to jazz but not as attentively because i was afraid of the rabbit hole because it's it'd go on forever like you know there's so much but the thing of it is you you, you just have to go with what you like exactly you don't have to finish yeah, everything. You don't have
2: to. You know and if you you don't want to s- spend any time listening to Tommy Dorsey or right. know, or Kenny G or you know oh, anybody no. you don't want to listen to, you no. don't don't have to do. No that. no
0: Kenny G. No Kenny G. I uh, I was up in uh do you know who Ben Sidron is? The yes. piano player? Yes. He's been on this show, you know, like uh, his really? yeah, oh, he, wow. His son sort of pestered me and said, "You you got to talk to my dad. He's a good cat." He is. He's a great guy, right? Yeah. So uh but the funny thing was is that um I went up to Madison to do a comedy show, and, and Ben reached out to me and said, Yeah, I live here. Come hang out. Let's have lunch. So we had lunch. And then we Madison, go, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. That's where he lives. And you know, I went over to his house, and he's got all those Blue Note records, man. Like, you know, some dude he knew in Japan when they started reissuing them, like, gave him, like, he's got all of the Blue Note records.
2: All the covers. Yeah, on, oh, the, wow. on the wall.
0: Yeah. And I was looking for this uh, Tina Brooks record with, uh, with Lee Morgan on it, Minor Move. It's hard to find. And he's going through his stuff, and he's turning me on to hard bop stuff. I didn't realize that there was a subcategory of hard bop. So he's telling me the predecessors and whatnot. He's got two of those Tina Brooks records. and goes, "Take one," and I'm like, hey, "This is like the best trip ever." You can
2: get all of that over over in Japan, right? That's well, you can go to one store and get all of that, all the Blue Note stuff. Yes, and you know they got T-shirts and stuff. I remember the um, the Unity T-shirt, and I I couldn't get it quick enough. Man. Yeah, they, yeah. They sold it out. They sold out. One of my favorite albums of all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. They they were incredible. Just the the symbiosis of you know what what they could create. And yeah, it was amazing. When you were a kid, where'd you grow up?
0: Manhattan, right in the city. Yeah. So it, now, was your dad a, a a working musician?
2: Yeah, but he wasn't the uh, soloist that JJ Johnson was. Yeah. So, so he couldn't get a job on the front line, and you know he's a good section man. Yeah. What was his instrument? Trombone. Oh, yeah. If he had had his uh, desire, he would have played uh, in Count Basie's band. So
0: you grew up with that?
2: Yeah, I did. And, you know, I I knew Thelonious. I used to babysit for uh, Ben Riley. Yeah? So, you know, that was Thelonious' drummer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when Ben's wife would come home, uh, I could go down to the Vanguard. They'd usually be playing down there, and I could catch Monk at the Vanguard. I must have seen him perform about 30 times. Really, high school and college. What, what was he like as a dude? I mean, could you talk to him? No, <laughs> you couldn't talk to him. He was somewhere else, right? Most of the time, he spent somewhere else. He yeah. talked to you, you know, like he'd come back and talk to you, and then he, yeah, go off into wherever he was.
0: But, but just like check in and then out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but that, uh, he
2: was a musical genius, no, no doubt, question
0: about it. No doubt. Was there a point there where you wanted to pursue music over ball?
2: Yeah, but that ended up being in high school when I had to make a choice. Yeah. And, and you know, I had already made the commitment to basketball, and I was much better at basketball than I was at music. So <laughs>
0: but Did you play something?
2: I should have. You didn't play, I no could have. Uh, if I had practiced the piano, I would have had it down, and, you know, I could have stayed with it. Yeah, but I wouldn't practice the the whole idea of reading music really intimidated me. Mm-hmm. I thought I should be able to read it like a printed page, w- right? At which I was precocious. Yeah, but it, you know it wasn't couldn't do not it the same thing. And you know, people didn't tell me, oh no, that just shows you where you place your your fingers. Yeah, and if I if someone had explained that to me, I, I would have uh, I could have stuck with it longer and, and figured it
0: out. Right, so you got overwhelmed. Yeah, uh, yeah, oh,
2: and I, I just uh, intimidated. Right, and then just like uh 2002 i i decided i'm gonna try and take uh some piano lessons and yeah. i got it they said no you this is, it shows you where you place your fingers and it and you're like damn i should have and it, it wasn't that difficult you know <laughs> when I, I played what is it um j.s box very first thing for people beginning piano yeah yeah i was able to read it and play it oh and do you regret not doing
0: it now yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course,
2: but it's too late.
0: Yeah, know. it's too late.
2: But do you play for enjoyment? Do you I'm, play? I'm only sixty years. Too late, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that hasn't stopped you in the past. No, no. And you know, if you do it for yourself, yeah, it's it's fun. It Did, really are you fun. are you doing it? I might, you know, because oh, yeah. sometimes I, you know, I hear somebody on, and I gotta like, well, I got what is that chord? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Chucho Valdez. Yeah, and and do you Incredible. go work it out? Do you figure yeah. it out? I, At least the one chord. A couple, couple of chords, and you know how they relate to each other? <laughs> yeah.
0: it, it's, it's magic, man. It is. It, it is. really is magic. So, like, I've been watching, um, like, I guess because in this book, like, you had a good relationship with your dad?
2: Yeah. And your mom, too? It wasn't close, but, you yeah. know, it wasn't It wasn't bad. You right. Know? It, just, uh, yeah. it just wasn't close. It right. Was, my dad was a very distant kind of guy, and the, the only thing, two things he liked, he liked music and he liked my mom. Yeah and And what did your mom do my mom uh she was a a seamstress
0: Uh uh-huh and your dad had a job outside of the music
2: my dad was a cop oh really yeah my dad was in the police band uh so he got to play uh behind marilyn monroe when she sang happy birthday to president kennedy oh really at the democratic convention in madison square garden no kidding so my dad you know they figured they get the policeman, everybody's yeah. a cop, no it won't be anybody <laughs> crazy coming in. Yeah. They were ready. Yeah. Did you go to that thing? No, I didn't. so are- I still have the I have the letter that they sent to my dad, thanking him in advance for uh, participating. Uh-huh. And they said, just bring this letter with you to uh, such and such a gate, such and such an entry at uh, Madison Square Garden. And that's how he got in? That's how he got in, and... Um, that was uh, the highlight of his musical career. Because this
0: new book, I mean, which it's a few months old though, is about you and uh, and and Coach Wooden, like, and and that's a like a long relationship that seems sort of like a fatherly relationship. Yeah, it was. Out.
2: It, it, it just started out. You know, he was the coach and I was the player, and right. We started to become friends, and then we became close friends, and then it just. Kept morphing and,
0: but he was with you through all your changes, yeah. right? And, and more or less, it
2: was he. It became like we were family.
0: Yeah, and those conversations. I mean, like in terms of like when you tried when you became more politically active, and you chose to, you know, change, uh, you know, your religious affiliation and all this stuff. Like, were there, was he a guy that would sit with you and question your
2: your motives? And, no, and, and no, but sometimes you know he would like want to draw you out and ask you you know what motivated you and you know he wanted to know about you know how how much thought you'd given it yeah how much research you'd uh, devoted and you know just how much into it were you or was this just a, a, a lark and what were some of the things that you know he like part of his
0: process in terms of how they sort of guided you throughout your life you know like what were the things that you learned either you know on the court or off the court or just as a human being? That that gave you strength from this guy.
2: Well, I, I think that uh, he he just gave us confidence that we were prepared. Uh huh. You know, and he, because he prepared us, and yeah. he said, you know, if you, if you follow these things I'm showing you, you're going to be able to you, you, you'll enjoy the way that you play the game. And you were able to apply that to life. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, just <laughs> what we learned about how to how to support the people that we care about. Right. And that, that
0: that goes through life. See, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing for me because I was not brought up with sports. You know, I'm not a huge sports guy. And, and you know, obviously I know who you are and, and I respect you and, and the writing and everything, but I can't sit here and do stats with you. Or <laughs> why, why would we want to do that anyway? We wouldn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> but there are dudes that I imagine you have to deal with that all your life.
2: Oh, yeah, and uh, people are like, well, geez, you know, Larry
0: Bird didn't... Yeah. Come <laughs> on, <man. laughs> But through it all, I mean, being that, you know, you are one of the greatest players that ever lived, that, you know, was it from the beginning, knowing that you could do it and you were good at it, and obviously that was undeniable at a very early age, was it, was there something at, going from the inside that sort of like, I want to do something
2: else? That yeah, you, there was. Yeah. But um, I, I, I liked the game. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was neat. You yeah. know, I, I enjoyed playing it. yeah. And uh can make some books, yeah. wow,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: and I, you know I had some some skill that translated into uh you know a professional career, and um you know I, I, I was really thankful that I had the opportunity my
0: producer who who knows a little more about sports than me, said that like that that you were always judged for your attitude that yeah, yeah and and you know that kind of hung over you like it, we I just looked at this interaction you had you know with with donald Trump. You know the letter he sent you, right? Which is something he did to anybody that pissed him off, right? Right. But he went out of his way just to diminish you and try to, you know, bully you in your
2: soft spot. right But I, you know, I, I no. I've dealt with bullies. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to meet him out back. <laughs> <laughs> that won't happen. So, Not you know. anymore. You yeah. You, you might have <laughs> yeah. been a few years ago. You might have been able to pull it off. No, no, no. he, he, he doesn't. Impressed me as someone with a lot of guts.
0: I was reading, a, or I was watching a documentary on on Vietnam, the new Ken Burns documentary. Uh, you know, that's a
2: 10-part documentary about that period. And, and you lived through all of that. They, yeah, you know, I did. I, I graduated from high school in 1965, just when it was ramping up, you know, it, the war. And, yeah. Uh, and so you knew a lot of guys that went Yeah, I had guys. Some of my friends went over there and uh, didn't come back. Were you uh, eligible for the draft? Obviously, or I was eligible in that I was old enough, but uh, at six foot uh, eight, being the top height, you know, and I was (laughs) seven feet tall. Right, (laughs) wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. And uh, they, I just had to go by my uh, my board, and they said, "Yeah, "Yeah, you're too tall," and that was it. Yeah. So, at what point did you? Like, you know, find yourself because the one thing that I
0: I, I didn't remember because I'm 53. So I, I I was young. But, you know, the country is polarized now. But like I didn't really understand the intensity or the scope of the polarization in the late 60s, both around civil rights and the war. And it seems that, you know, what we're living in now, the country we're living in was really invented in relation to that war that those fights are the same fights that are going on now.
2: Yeah, the, the same uh conflicts with regard to, you know, what is the future of America? Yeah. Yeah. And when did you for what was the 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 thing that kind of like, you
0: know, blew your mind open about you, you know becoming engaged and becoming that drove you to become engaged, to become active, to become awake and and fighting?
2: I just felt that uh, you know, Black Americans had to get to a point where we had first class citizenship. Yeah, second class citizenship sucks, man, and just having to always defer because people don't think you're worthy. Yeah, is uh, it's it's horrible. It it just defeats you uh, at at every turn, and um, you, you you can't be your best. Yeah, and uh, you know that that's one of the great things about America. We all get a chance to. Uh, to do our thing and uh, give give our best impression of of what our life should be about
0: yeah and and that and you felt that and obviously it's true uh to a large degree that that was not available in the same way for black americans as it was for no
2: no it wasn't we had to uh we had to defer to people who felt that uh, we weren't worthy of being successful and uh you know we had to put an end to that when you uh converted to to islam what was it that that drove that decision i was raised uh, roman catholic you know and uh, monotheism seemed to make sense to me yeah but uh you know the the, the roman catholics uh, support of the slave trade really uh that that turned me off yeah so uh, i wanted to to figure out you know what monotheistic religion i could support that uh, didn't have that type of history
0: but you had no you. You always believed in God. Yeah, I always
2: believed in the supreme being. It seemed to make sense to me. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And that was it. And that was it. And now was that was that why that particular religion was it popular at the time as a as a as a statement or was it you know there's you could have become a Jew.
2: <laughs> Absolutely no, I, it is. But uh, you know, being of African descent, yeah, uh, the monotheistic. Uh, Religion that is most popular in, in Africa is, is Islam. Yeah. Um, and Islam has uh, a great history in terms of what has contributed to world culture, you know, uh, mathematics and the uh, physical sciences. Sure. Uh, extraordinary contributions. What the Muslims uh, did in starting medicine, uh, the Renaissance absolutely started because uh, Europeans came into contact with the, the scholarship of the, of the Muslim world. Yeah, yeah. And they don't want to acknowledge it. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: But when, when you protested the Olympics in 68 and, and boycotted the Olympics, what, what happened when you did that?
2: Well, a lot of people thought that uh, I was supposed to just be content uh, to uh, have access to playing in the NBA. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to make my money and keep my head down and, and not, uh, not complain about anything.
0: So they yeah, and they expected that from Ali too, right? They I mean, expected that from all black people. Yeah. So when you did that, it, it was there was, was the hostility? Did it come? To, did it show up at the games and everything?
2: Uh, no, you know, people were uh, you know, oftentimes pretty subtle with it. You know, they, yeah. they didn't want to be too obvious with it because uh, they had seen uh, some of the negative aspects of white supremacy, and uh, there's no way people could defend that, right? Until now. Yeah, it <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> seems to have made uh, you know uh, a return.
0: Yeah, which is a uh, heartbreaking, and awful. Yeah, but it's what we got to deal with. Yeah. Did you when 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 what is happening now? It happened. Did you did you was your uh, initial response was like, well, now we can see them in the light because they've got a voice, but they were always there.
2: Yeah, they were always there, and uh, it was uh, people seem to have have forgotten that because uh just s- so much of uh the past I I I think certainly the Clinton administration and, and Obama's administration they they saw uh minorities making a lot of headway and even even though I've been fortunate enough to 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 do well yeah you still see what what's happening and uh too many people uh, can't find their way uh you know out of the the things that keep pulling them backwards
0: yeah and 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 it becomes harder to, to that when the you know the ways that there are get shut off
2: yeah and, you know there's, there's no way out there's there's no way to uh you know get your little piece of of, of sunshine right you know? yeah. did you did you have uh did you have fun in the seventies <laughs> yeah i did i had fun uh <laughs> but it was uh, it was tough uh a lot of uh, during that time the Everybody just seemed to want to question everything, you know are they getting too much oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, just because uh as the uh barriers fell down for for black participation in american society uh it, it was questioned
0: yeah, yeah now when you like like I know that you've done a lot of different sort of uh i, I kind of have a vague memory of you uh in a in in some sort of martial arts attire uh you know was that something that you know was that something because i you studied with bruce lee is that yeah, I trained with bruce yeah and like that guy like i can't like he died way too young but what what was he like just so now you babysat you knew monk and then you knew bruce lee these guys are like you know magicians they're mystics
2: absolutely you know and, and bruce was great because he he felt that uh you know the martial arts uh should be practiced and uh learned by everybody he he, he wasn't going to teach just chinese right you know he he, said, he, he uh,
0: kind of opened it up like he it, opened
2: it up he said i learn from everybody i teach everybody that that was his attitude he he, he was awesome in that in that sense because the the martial arts are so uh, tradition bound and you know the, if you study like uh, a Korean system of martial arts, uh, you're supposed to think that any other system sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can't learn from them. And he was eclectic and the things that he chose to use. And he said, that you've got to use what works for you. That has to deal with your physique and your level of acti- uh, athletic ability. Uh-huh. And, you know, just what you can learn. And you've got to make it pragmatic for yourself. Were you in one of his movies? Yeah, I was in The Game of Death.
0: I can't like it's, it's it's wild that these like little flashes of you come back in my mind in movies uh. and on TV shows. So like was he like a philosophical guy or was he just a, a physical like kind of uh, He
2: was a philosophical guy. He he got his degree from the University of Washington in philosophy. Oh really? Yeah. And did you
0: did you glean anything from what was his basic uh philosoph-
2: He was, you know, he was kind of like a, a a modern day uh Taoist priest, you know? He, yeah. Just uh, the, the 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 pragmatic road to success and harmony. You know, that's <laughs> that's more or less what he was about. That was his trip? Yeah. And do you still practice any disciplines? Uh, some yoga. Yeah? The yoga really helps. And, you know, I, I train a little bit. I jump yeah. some rope and, you know, try to stay in shape and not become a fat person.
0: <laughs> do you think that could happen to you?
2: No. <laughs> not, at, not at this point. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah, yeah. When did you start the writing? I started writing really in grade school. You know, I I used to represent my school in essay contests. The the nuns thought that I was that accomplished. It was always something you wanted to do? Yeah, I I always enjoyed reading. Yeah. And then I always had ideas about stories, and um, I was an English major at UCLA. Who were the uh, authors that moved you first? Robert Louis Stevenson. Sure. Bridget Kipling. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys. Big uh, stories. Yeah. Stories of uh the of, classic stories. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kidnapped, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Treasure Island. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There's there's struggle, there's uh, swashbuckling, there's uh right. you know, there's mystery, a, everything. Yeah. And like there was a time there where you were sort of hanging out with some of the like the like 'cause it, it seemed like in the seventies the, the writers were like superstars. Like they you know, they, they were present in the cultural landscape. They'd show up at talk shows, you know, like and Mailer and Talise and all those cats. Oh yeah. And there was a, a sort of like urb, urbane intelligentsia that kinda had a hold on culture a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, and their voices were, were important. Right. Know? And uh, especially uh when it started with the the whole feminist movement yeah like yeah women started to to change things for the better and were you you were like were you hanging out with those cats at all with the writers and dudes uh well you know i got to meet and know uh gay talisi yeah yeah and nice guy yeah you know. yeah and he wrote some pretty uh, provocative books the one i like the best uh, uh fame and uh, fame and obscurity
0: yeah why did you like that one just
2: the different portraits of people you know that the uh, you know Frank Sinatra has a cold. He wrote about the the uh, heavyweight champion Floyd Patterson, who used to go around with disguises because he didn't want people to recognize him. Yeah, uh, stuff like he wrote about the uh, the building of the uh, Verrazano Narrows Bridge. you yeah. didn't know what it was all about. Just. Uh, Different stuff that like really interested me. That
0: uh, how did it change your ideas about how your fame was playing out? I mean, you can't well, really. I don't wear think it
2: to- did that, but it just made me aware of things in the world that uh, you know I had no idea of, you know? right right there, yeah.
0: there's little nooks and crannies where you're like holy shit yeah it's, <laughs> it's,
2: that's some pretty interesting stuff yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah and did that is that what sort of sparked you to become more of a, a cultural commentator and yeah. to explore the things that you explored
2: and just you know the the things that make me go you know holy wow what, what, what's that all about
0: right and and so you were able to sort of like do that stuff i mean like to do like a book like profiles and courage and then to do the book about the uh the tank brigade i mean these are historical elements that are you know that that a lot of people don't know
2: about but right. were fascinating to you to me and and especially the one about the tank battalion the, the 761st tank battalion uh, one of the guys in there uh Leonard Smith he he received the uh bronze star uh just an incredible combat record but uh, you know I remember when I was a little kid, World War II. Uh, you know, yes. they were always acknowledging those guys; that their, their tremendous sacrifice and the guys, the, the guys, and the, right and and the women. And yeah. uh, you know, Tom Brokaw does uh, the Greatest Generation in, in to to acknowledge. Them. Yeah, and here here you have a group of them, uh, black Americans, who supported the war and used the war as a means to fight uh, Hitler and Jim Crow. Yeah, uh, I went to see the screening of a documentary on the unit. Yeah. And when I went, this is in 1992, and I, I, I go there, and there's Leonard Smith, and I, I remember him from when, the last time I'd seen him I'd been in high school, right? And I, and I'm 42 years old now. Yeah. And I, I see Smitty, I'm like, Smitty, what are you doing here? And I find out he was in the 761st Tank Battalion, and then I, I watched the documentary and find out that he fought in the Battle of the Bulge, and then... Was with Patton, the 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 first uh, Allied units into Germany proper. Wow! They, they crossed the Rhine River first. Yeah, and uh, they they cleaned out the Siegfried uh, the Siegfried Line. Yeah, Smitty was given a Bronze Star. I, I just I, I had no idea. How did,
0: how did you know him from when you were younger?
2: He was a police officer with my father. Oh
0: my God!
2: So I'd known Smitty since I was seven or eight years old, and he was just this. Guy that was kind of crazy cop that uh, hung out with my dad. He and my dad would go uh, hear the uh, the big bands. Uh, you know when when they came to New York. Yeah. Uh, you know all the bands that they liked when they, when they were younger. So you know when Count Basie or Lionel Hampton came to New York, uh, my dead. dad and Smitty would go down and and. and and hear them but no talk of world war ii no talk where i i had no idea of what he'd done and i found out he he won the bronze star and um did and, your old man know you think he must have no, right my dad didn't know so do you think it was one of those things where the like uh, those the, guys didn't talk about it right they came home and just uh, you know they were just glad to get home and got to work and got to work and uh, you know started doing things uh, but uh isn't that something it's amazing
0: so like so now like when you see him again at that thing, this whole other world opens up to you, right. and, and you decide like why why doesn't everybody know about
2: this? Yeah, so I had to do something, and I, I wrote my book uh, Brothers in Arms so that uh, their their story would be told accurately, because there were a few things in the documentary that that they got uh, confused. Oh they, yeah, they conflated some of the things.
0: Yeah, and how many of those guys were alive at the time were you able to talk to?
2: Oh, there were about twenty or thirty of them. This is like, uh, you know, in the in right after two thousand. Yeah, I, I published the book in two thousand four. Yeah, and uh, so since, there are a few of them still alive. Yeah, very few now. They they right. since then they've all passed on. Uh, Smitty died uh, the year after I published the book. He died in two thousand five. So did my father. Oh, right. and so you know. A whole lot of guys in the unit have have died and passed on, but they, he was able to see the book. Yeah, they were, and and they really thanked me. They gave me a, they acknowledged me for uh, telling the story accurately. Uh huh. That's all they wanted. You know, they just wanted to <laughs> yeah. have it told accurately, and
0: uh, and you got it.
2: Yeah, I, I got it right. Uh, Clinton gave one of the guys in the unit uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor posthumously in the 1998 or 99 that that was given to reuben rivers yeah of oklahoma yeah uh, he was given a posthumous uh congressional medal of honor is your book being read in schools now i mean does it get? i know but it, it was for sale on uh all the px's and a lot of uh a lot of military people got got to read it oh did they and a lot come... of them have come and thanked me you know said hey I, I i really enjoyed that it really helped me understand uh a lot about uh what the black experience in World War Two was all about, you know, because, uh, you know, black Americans had, had to fight for the right to fight. Wow. You know, and uh, they finally did it. And then after the war was over, Truman uh, integrated the armed forces and said that, uh, you know, uh, a segregated army is an inefficient army and we're not going to do that anymore. Awesome. Well, that's,
0: that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things I noticed, you know, that they kind of talk about in the Vietnam documentary is that, he spent a lot of time with it because it's Ken Burns, you know, so mm-hmm. you know, he does a pretty good job and you, you know, he talked about how the, you know, the fragmentation and, and the racial tension of the States, you know, once you got, you know, into, into the shit that, you know, that stuff kind of, that goes away. Right. And, you know, it's like everybody's just a person here right we all want to we all want to live and yeah. survive and get right. back you know to to america so it seems like also with the other book the, the on the shoulders of giants that part of your mission in life is to to sort of you know show you know black history for what it really is
2: yeah and and show uh, uh, all of america that uh, black americans have contributed so much to what makes america great
0: yeah absolutely
2: you know it's not like we're just here and uh, you know occupying space you know we, we've managed to 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 make america a better place
0: and what did you find what what did you learn about that 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 period the harlem renaissance they call it
2: oh just the uh, the fact that uh so many things that affected american culture in in the 20th century s- started with the harlem renaissance you know starting with jazz music but uh so many other things: dance, dance, and, uh, and the
0: arts in general, and 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 I guess literature as well.
2: Absolutely. Cultural commentary, cultural commentary, and the, the the fact that you know, also into integrating sports and taking that on on, on a totally different uh, plane and uh, adding to to the to its luster yeah yeah
0: Yeah. did you see that documentary the uh uh not i'm not your negro yes that
2: that was extraordinary i talked to that guy raul peck yeah Yeah. i've I've met him also what a guy huh he's incredible oh god and but you know for me it just i i needed to see that because it was like right after the uh the election and you know i was down yeah i went and saw that and i was like wow because, you know, when when I was in the eighth grade I, is when I first read James Baldwin and became aware of him. And he helped me understand things that my parents couldn't explain to me. You know, my parents couldn't articulate what was happening in America and why things were so bad for for black Americans. They couldn't articulate it. We could see it. We could see that we were, you know, oppressed. But uh, the words to, to express that, you know, my, my parents weren't too good at that. Yeah. And James Baldwin was able to, like, just define it and get people to understand uh what it was about and uh, how absolutely necessary it was to to see that it came to an end yeah and it, what and, and what an amazing
0: thinker the, the levels of of intellectual you know uh, acumen was like mind-blowing yeah like you know i watched that documentary and i was like i had to watch it two or three times Right, you know, just to, to sort of even begin to take on the intellectual depth of that guy, yeah, to understand the context, yeah. of everything. Yeah. It's it's mind blowing, yeah. man. And when I had Peck in here, I, you know, it, it, the thing that like struck me about that conversation was that you know he comes from Haiti, so you know, you know, fighting the fight is something that it's it's not taken for granted in any way. Nothing is ever accepted. You're born into it, and you got to push back.
2: And to understand the commitment, uh, that that's really the thing. I, I've seen uh, John Lewis speak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, he's not bitter about anything. And, he, I mean, he he had a concussion. Uh, they could have killed him, you know, when he crossed the bridge yeah. that day. And he's, he's, he said, look, you know, uh, yeah, I, I could have gotten killed, but uh, if you do not put your life on the line, you are not committed to nonviolence right whoa yeah and you know he 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 showed exactly how much that that took you know he he said he he had his bible in in one pocket and uh an apple or something yeah in case he got hungry and he he just saw what was coming and and button batten down but did not step backwards yeah that kind of courage man wow
0: it's wild, right? Yeah. And 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 it's not it it, it doesn't come easy and it and, and most people would rather not deal with it.
2: Right, it's, it's so much easier not you know to let someone else uh yeah, until go out there and, and, until and, no
0: one else is going.
2: Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, you, but uh it, unless you understand that uh you you can't say that you're committed and he he made that very clear. Wow.
0: When this happened when this election happened you know after 8 years of of Obama and you know however you feel about him as a president he was a good president you know they, every, yeah. every every president has his shortcomings and does things you don't like but you know it it is a a cultural beacon uh, for the country when when this happened i mean what what was your first gut reaction
2: my my first gut reaction to, to Trump's election i i couldn't uh i couldn't understand how he where they he found the votes, yeah, you know because I thought that uh, most Americans were appalled at uh, who he was, yeah, but they weren't I mean they, there were some Americans that were waiting for someone like that to to step forward uh, why do you think that is I don't know it, you know it it's like um they resent the fact that uh it, it seems to me that some people resent the fact that People of color are being given an equal chance to be successful. That that to me can can be the only you know they, they resent seeing uh, people of color uh, doing well, and they they think that they're supposed to do well before people of color. Maybe maybe that's it. I. I
0: but didn't you write a bit about how like the the the, uh, the idea of of uh, non-white uh, people outnumbering white people became sort of
2: threatening it, it, it's become threatening or uh it, i think sometimes it, it has to do with resentment that uh those people might have political power and we have to do something about it i i think that's wh- why are we getting all this voter suppression uh efforts right by, re- by republicans right um they they just they don't like uh the the fact that uh the color of the people that are, you know, be, uh, accruing more power, it, it it bothers them that they're, that they're not white.
0: And what, what so, like, after all this, like, you know, when we talk about progress and when you talk about, you know, what you put your, you know, what you did, the actions you took and people like Lewis and people, you know, that have been fighting this fight forever, when the, the sort of pushback
2: and the sort of one step forward, two step back feeling of it, you, you know, what... <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't get it. I, you know, I don't have anything against people in Appalachia doing well. Yeah. You know, if something happens where they get a, a leg up and start to 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 do well, I'm happy for them. That, yeah. that That's great. Yeah. Why why can't they feel that way about other segments of our society about uh, Hispanics or, or 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 black Americans or Native Americans doing better and, and uh, yeah everybody succeeding there. being being successful. You know, I I, I think. Uh, we all benefit from that.
0: Yeah, I just think that, like, it strikes me recently is that, and it was sort of a, a, a big epiphany, oddly, was that it, it just seems that it, it, outside of, of just racism, that, that they have a very different idea of what America's supposed to be of right. what democracy is supposed to be. That the idea of equality and diversity is not what it's supposed to be in their mind. And yet they still think they're being patriotic.
2: Uh, yeah, and they, they, they want to deny uh, success to certain segments of society because uh, they don't have more success. I, I, I don't get that. That, that. It makes no sense. Uh, it's resentment,
0: it's spite, it's jealousy, it's yeah. envy. It's, it's, uh, it's a class issue, a, a lot of it, Right. Yeah, there's race, but there's also like poor people on either side are, are have a, a difficult time.
2: Right, and and a lot of times people don't want to admit that they don't want to admit it at all here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 ridiculous.
0: Yeah. So, what was it like when you got given the opportunity to to be an ambassador for two administrations? What was that responsibility to you?
2: I thought it was a great privilege, and it reminded me of. You know, one of my heroes who yeah. had a chance to do the same thing, Louis Armstrong. You know?
0: Yeah, and what 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 was the activities? What was the job in a way?
2: Uh, just to explain what democracy is all about, they uh, I, I went to Brazil. And, yeah, you know, the people in Brazil were like shocked that Obama got elected president. They didn't think that democracy worked like that. Oh, really? <laughs> so you know, to see that happen and, and, a, and a black American got elected, it it changed their ideas about democracy and uh-huh. their own potential oh, that's interesting yeah
0: yeah, it was it's interesting too now that like you know given yeah, you know, the the other side of that that this this guy that we have now was elected is also having you know repercussive ripples globally that but it's the opposite it's like well if that shit can happen in america we better you know make sure it doesn't happen here
2: right because uh you know get the wrong person at at the wheel that's uh Kind of reminds me of uh, some lyrics from. Are you familiar with Mose Allison?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, somebody's
2: always playing with dynamite, <laughs> so I don't worry about a thing because I know nothing's going to come out right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good one. Yeah. So, where else did you travel when you were when you were doing? That, that? that was it. And then, then what did uh, what did Obama have you do?
2: Oh, nothing. Nothing I didn't do it. I uh, was uh, well, I. I'm on the uh, coin commission, which is people we uh, we uh, suggest coin uh, themes for for our coinage. Really? Yeah. yeah. How, how did you get that gig? Uh, I just I, I'm I'm a coin collector, and um, you are? Yeah. Like still? Yeah. What's the, what's the fascination? Uh, the fascination. I have read uh, Ron Chernow's book on Hamilton, and uh, just. Saw what he did in putting together our, our fiscal policy and our monetary policy, and realized uh, maybe I should have uh, gold coins, American gold coins, because uh, they um, they represent something. And um, I was able to ride up. Uh, gold went from four hundred dollars an ounce up to twelve hundred dollars an ounce. I I even made some money on it.
0: Oh, yeah? Got some gold? It it went down. Now it's up again, huh? It's up and down. But I, I saw a documentary once on how they secure currency, and it blew my mind. Like, it was all about, like, the, basically it starts with the recipe for the paper of American currency. And how, you know, at that level, how do we secure that? It's a very, it's a specific recipe. It's pulp. And it's, uh, it's come, some of it comes from cotton. And they have the little blue and red strands in there. And then you got to do the watermark thing. I was like, I was just fascinated with the efforts that went into guaranteeing that the currency stands for something.
2: Yeah, and uh, so it can't be counterfeited.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. It was just like the thought process that went into it kind of blew my mind. Yeah. So, what are some of your ideas for coinage?
2: Uh just uh they uh wanted to uh we we do the coins and medals that they that uh, the United States uh, produces. What ingots? Uh, no, not ingots, but uh they they have uh oh, medals. Oh, you mean that are given to people. That are given to people and that oh, wow. uh, uh citizens can buy. You can buy medals. Yeah. Uh, and of, uh, like a, silver and silver and gold medals uh, with different themes on them well what, what, did you did any of your ideas
0: get to, onto the medals no but you know it,
2: it's it's interesting <laughs> yeah. to just to learn the process you know yeah
0: yeah now do you know when did you stop uh 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 showing up on tv shows and stuff like uh, as an actor when did that kind of oh
2: geez i you know while i was playing you know, yeah I, I was still it was still in the 80s and they don't they don't have roles for guys that are seven feet tall you know <laughs> you were funny in airplane come on yeah, i was playing myself <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to play yourself so now that i write and um can uh, be behind the camera and at my pad uh writing stories it, it's a lot better that way uh, I'm, I'm enjoying uh writing and uh how those uh,
0: detective books do? How the ch- they're written for? What are they for? Teenagers primarily? Or? No, no,
2: no. I, I the uh, book I wrote is about uh, Sherlock Holmes' older brother Mycroft is basically his backstory. Oh yeah, that's interesting because that's a different angle. Because some people have done
0: have approached that before. You know the the side stories of Holmes, yeah. and yours is sort of a new one.
2: Yeah. The the way it came together was uh, if you read Arthur Conan Doyle, he only mentions Sherlock's brother. A couple of times, like right. six or seven times, in passing. Yeah, and it, but it says about him he he uh, was really something in the British government, and at cer- certain moments he was the British government. Yeah. So you know he's a powerful somebody in in the British government, and he, and, and he helped Sherlock at, at various times because of his position. Right, right. But that's that's, that's all it. you know about
0: him. So you had you got to build the whole.
2: Thing. I built the whole backstory, you know. Yeah, and, and that that was the first book and. Uh, the Second book comes out uh, this fall, and how are they received good. It, the first one was received well. I I, I was shocked. Um, the the character of Sherlock Holmes was based on uh, a doctor that Arthur Conan Doyle knew. Arthur yeah. Conan Doyle was an ophthalmologist. Uh-huh. He knew another doctor named Joseph Bell, mm-hmm. who was able if he looked at you, he could just tell from your clothing and you know just what he could observe about you. A lot of a lot about you. Yeah, t- just. Noticing yeah, yeah. The, the soot on your shoes or, or s- certain... Yeah. Oh, uh, he's that guy. He it, he could read you. He could read you like that. Yeah. And it, it was a doctor uh, that Arthur Conan Doyle Yeah, did, And that's... That was the root of it. That was the root for, for Sherlock. Yeah. That Sherlock could just put all these things together and, and know Quickly. so much about you. Yeah. Immediately. And, and it had to do with his knowledge of uh, chemistry and all kinds of yeah. arc- arcane <laughs> things. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's just it, it's fun for me. I, I I enjoy it. I I've enjoyed uh, all of the stuff I've read by John McCary and you like uh, that stuff, huh? Walter Mosley, yeah, yeah, Raymond Chandler, and all those guys. Yeah. How long do you write every day? Not every day. I, sometimes I I have other assignments. I I have to do articles or I read a piece you wrote on girls. That was good. That was uh, that was tight.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh,
2: just uh, had a few things. A few things that I liked about girls, a few things that uh, I was critical about. But uh, Miss Dunham has done a great job with that. Yeah, and how how's your uh, how's your health? My health is uh, is pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm in pretty good shape.
0: Yeah, now I, you know I remember when uh, you had a how what a quadruple bypass?
2: Yeah, two years ago. Oof, scary. I, I can't imagine, man. I just uh, found out that m- my uh, My heart arteries were uh, a five star hotel for plaque. Yeah, you just found out. I just, I just, I found out two years ago, and and I had no idea. My uh, the Widowmaker, the one they call the Widowmaker, that was one hundred percent blocked. Oh my god! I had blockages one hundred eighty, and and one hundred eight, one hundred eighty percent, eighty percent, and sixty percent. But had you been like, had you, did you have high cholesterol? No, you didn't. You had no high cholesterol. There's nothing wrong with my heart. So what the doc say how's that happen? Some people's uh, uh arteries are just the uh, the perfect place for uh oh, the plaque for the plaque to collect
0: cuz I went and got one of those calcium scans just recently just cuz someone said I could just go do it. And yeah, I got, you should. I got a little in there. I got yeah. a little in there. Yeah, and I got it, a- it. It
2: won't kill you if it if uh, you know the right things are
0: or done? Or done, yeah. So when, like, I noticed when Letterman had his, uh, did you find, did it change your, uh, emotionally? Did it change you? Did you wake up, feel more sensitive, or more, like, life was more well, fragile? Well,
2: no, actually, you feel more vulnerable. Right. You know, you get depressed at times, just realizing that, um, it, it, the things that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, yeah. You never think that that's going to happen to you. Oh, yeah. And, and does it Does I have a son. I have, one of my sons is a, a physician. He yeah. said, Dad, don't worry about it. You're lean, you exercise, you eat right. Before that thing. Be, before. And I went in and they said, you got all these blockages. And my, my, my son the doctor thought maybe I might need a stent or something. Yeah. But... Uh, it, they had no to do, yeah they they had to do the whole thing yeah
0: so what is your day to, how do, how are you approaching the, the the day-to-day fight of this that you know what's coming at you now as a as a, an American Muslim man as a black man like on a day-to-day basis how much shit are you getting
2: uh it's, it's not too bad now because uh Muslims in America are, are waking up to the fact that they have to engage mm-hmm. and they have to let people know what they're about. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Islam. Uh, it's some of the people who are interpreting it in bizarre and extreme w- w- ways that, that are the problem. And, uh, you know, it, that that has happened. Uh, we, we have that example here in our country, uh, a group called the Ku Klux Klan that claimed to be the, the Christian knights of the Ku Klux Klan. And... Um, they're terrorists. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they terrorize blacks and Jews and other minorities. So, you know, we, we have to understand what things actually are and, and deal with them for what they are. If we can do that, uh, you know, we won't get lost in, you know, arguing about things. You just, we've got to protect everybody and uh, ma- make the Constitution a, a real living document that, that protects and uh, enables all Americans to succeed
0: on a day to day basis, what it ha- what's what's your sort of uh what's your what's your process? You know, what do you do? You exercise, you write a little bit, you you think about Well, things. you know,
2: if I have a writing assignment, uh you know, I try to deal with that. But uh you know, I just try to take care of myself and yeah. work out a little bit in the morning. Yeah. Uh I have a granddaughter now. She's oh, really? incredible.
0: Oh that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank
2: you. How old? She's two and a half. Oh that's exciting. Yeah.
0: That must bring a lot of love and joy. Yeah, it does. Yeah.
2: It, it helps me it keeps things in balance.
0: Do you go out and speak at all? Do you go to schools or anything?
2: Not at schools, but, uh, you know, I, I've uh, I've been... I, I work for a pharmaceutical company sometimes and talk to patients that uh, have leukemia. I have, I'm have i a leukemia survivor, and I talk to them about... Uh, yeah, you fought some fights, huh? Yeah, had to.
0: Yeah. How did you, you get the leukemia into check?
2: Fortunately... I have the type that I have uh, chronic myeloid leukemia, and right. I I can treat it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you go offer some support and give tell people about their options. And, yeah,
2: and just let them know that they're not alone and they they can beat it. And uh, do you feel uh, do you feel hope, Kareem? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I I know there's hope because you know remember when we talked earlier about um, James Baldwin yeah. and I'm not. And it made just remem- made me remember how bad things were, and they were a lot worse than they are now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we just have to rewrite the ship and uh, get it back to where it needs to be. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, man. It was a wonderful. I'm glad you came. It was nice talking with you.
0: Okay, that's it. That's it. That was good. He's intense. Very tall. You're a very tall man. Um, yeah, he almost hit the his head on the ceiling of the garage. So I will talk to you Thursday. I will play guitar through. I think a new. I've just been like I as if you've been keeping up with this portion. I've been just plugging in these pedals. I don't know what they do. This is an Earthquaker Transmitter. But it's kind of haunting, haunting sound. <laughs>